You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. Welcome to Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I'm your host, Tim Capper, along with Cliffy D. How are you, sir? Oh, man. It's just a, another beautiful day here in the 514. Uh, yes, and we have so much beautiful stuff to talk about this week. Oh, man. Even though it was just freaking hot, <laughs> which, <sighs> man. I don't think I've sweat so much in a, in my in quite a long time. It was just warm that game. Warm, warm, warm. For you not to come in a jersey, you know when dot dot dot. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I I'm you know, I pride myself on uh, you know, representing for the team and all that stuff, but like the the, the weather was just like just unbearable. It was just choking hot and like no, I, I, I can't. I'm just going to keep it as light as possible, and yeah. And no. you wore long pants, though, too. But were you? Did you come from work? Yeah, I came from the office. That's why. Okay, okay. You don't, you don't have the luxury like myself of uh, of wearing shorts to work. Oh well, see, there you go. We're all we're not all privileged like you, Tim. Oh yeah, it's a lot da. So bougie, wearing oh, yeah. shorts. Oh yeah, I tell you. Um, I, I think, by the way, after this game, and I think you finally convinced me too, I think I have found who my next jersey, team jersey, is going to be. I wonder who that could be. Hmm. Well, I mean, there's certainly some some stars that came out to play uh, this past Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh. <laughs> wow. But, yep. And uh, you know what? And uh, who, who says 14, a 14 point underdog can't win a game, right? <laughs> I got a feeling. Uh, the if anybody took the fourteen points, you know, congrats on them. I would have done that if I if I bet. Uh, but I, I'm sure uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the sports book uh, kind of gained a lot of money this week. Yep. And uh, to everybody that was doubting, oh, and in case you folks haven't figured it out, the Montreal Alouettes beat the Hamilton Tiger Cats. One the, uh, the previously undefeated. Yep. So not only did the Alouettes get their first win of 2019, but they handed Hamilton their first loss of 2019. And to that, I, I'm going to channel uh, the, the dearly departed from Canada, Kawhi Leonard, with his... Uh, <laughs> 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 it's not quite as good as Kawhi's, but you know, you, you, you get the gist of it. So uh, yeah, yeah. It how was, about that? It was... You know what? And what's funny, too, and I don't know if you know because... Usually you feel if a game – oh, by the way, if people don't Al, – well, Al's won 36-29 in a, a, a fantastic game. It really was a, a game to watch, whether it be on TV or whether it would have been a, in person. Um, but this was a game really that you – know, you will know, if, and we've done this for the past couple of years, that if a game is just really boring and out of control, it, it's where you look at your watch constantly. You know, Whether it be your watch, you're looking at the game clock and saying, when is this thing going to end? Mm-hmm. By the time that this game ended, you know, with this Montreal seven point win, then looking at my clock, at my watch, this game had been, uh, this game was three hours and 13 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Crazy. And on top of that, and I've heard other people mention this already. The attendant with the attendance uh, at 18,673. You know, yes, we, and we'll talk about the tarps here in, in a little bit too. 
because I was able to speak with uh, uh, Al's president, uh, Patrick Buana, a little bit during the Hall of Fame ceremony. Um, it was, an, um, people were saying it was an amazing crowd. I, I, I guess people are people coming back, uh, or, or you know, or they, are they giving him a chance again? Because it was, it looked good. I, from what I saw, it looked good on TV. It looked good in the stadium. There weren't there, there many dead spots. Uh, it, it seems to be that it may be a, whether it be a one year thing or not, Cliff, uh, closing off some of these sections at, at the, uh, at Percival Molson are, uh, are helping a little bit. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a blessing in disguise. I mean, it, on the surface, yes, it does look like you're taking like two steps backward instead of one step forward when it comes to having uh, that many people over at Percival Molson stadium. But I think the way it's been done, it's sort of, I think that the ultimate goal for them, for the the organization, was just to get everybody sort of, I, I won't say compacted, but it's at least just rather than having everybody spread out and it doesn't have that same look on TV, for example, the fact that everybody's pushed in a little bit more together, it's just scooch everybody in a little bit more. It creates a bit more of a, a festive atmosphere. It, it makes the place look a little fuller and also gives more of a, a vibe. Like people, are, I know people are surrounding us, for example, like they were getting loud, they were boisterous, uh, sometimes not at the best times. Uh, like for example, starting the wave on offense is a major no-no, but I'm thinking these people were just not, uh, not the most educated. So, uh, maybe they're maybe they're from hamilton you never know oh maybe that we didn't think about that that's true that's true (laughs) but but when when the time came and this is the one thing i noticed especially towards the fourth quarter like when montreal's offense really started to click and points were actually starting to get scored people were getting on board with okay defense you make noise offense you shut the hell up Mm -hmm. and i i think it just made to a, a much better flow of the game i think the atmosphere, more than anything else, it felt. Do you remember last year when uh, Montreal beat Toronto in that, uh, like, for their, uh, their their first home win in yes. over a year? Yes. Remember the atmosphere for that? Like to me, that's what it kind of felt a little bit like this past Thursday. Was just everybody was on board. Everybody could feel the win in the air, and they reacted accordingly. Like they they wanted to will this team to victory. And that's really the vibe I got from the crowd, especially towards the end. Like you can tell, like nobody left early. Nobody was cutting out to beat traffic or whatever, you know, lame excuse that you want to use. Like people were invested in this game and we're going to see it through to the end, win or lose. And it's a feeling that we haven't had too much of in Montreal lately. And I have to say it, it's a good feeling. It's, it's good to know. And it's good to see that, fans were really getting behind it and the team responded in kind like they gave people something to cheer about and that's something that had been lacking for a good long time but now Montreal comes in they play their asses off and even if they had lost ended up losing the game I still think the fans would have come away with you know what I was still entertained and the fact that Montreal pulled out the victory they hung on and beat an opponent that very few people gave Montreal a chance at beating I think that made a huge impact, and I wouldn't be surprised if next home game we see a very similar crowd, if not maybe even a little bit better. Maybe it's different too. It's our first Saturday home game since. Gotta look it up. I mean, <laughs> it's I I can't remember the last time that we actually had a regular season game on a Saturday. It's it's been forever. Maybe man, God, maybe the days of the Big O. Is that possible? Um. No, I'm pretty sure they've had a couple of games. It's it's very few and far between. I will say that. 
Uh, I'll bring it. Um, one thing, and you know, we'll, we'll talk about the game a little bit more. But there was a little stuff that happened before, and I want to talk about the new atmosphere, the music, and stuff like that because it, it is a new season. Um, uh, what happened before the game? I was, uh, and I think I mentioned it in the last last episode, is that uh, I was lucky enough to be invited into the Alouettes. They call it the Hall of Fame, Wall of Fame, whatever you want to call it, uh, for season ticket holders who've been season ticket holders for, for 21 plus years. Uh, it was, you know, we were on the field there for at 5.30, where it you know, gave us free drinks at over in the Biera Garden. And it was um, I, it was a nice gesture by the team. They have all their names on two, on two I don't want to call them tarps. They're not tarps. Uh, banners. 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 On yeah. two banners. And it's funny, there were a lot more people on that cliff. And I'm sure once you saw it too, because I saw you, you tweeted something out on our social media account that there were a lot more, I don't know if you thought the same, there were a lot more people that have had it for that long than I thought there were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was definitely a pleasant surprise. I mean, of course, definitely exciting to see your name on there and to be able to say now that uh, the Alouette's Flight Deck does have a Hall of Fame member or Wall of Fame member, however you want to phrase it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was definitely a, a pleasant surprise to see that there's been that many people. For all the woes that the Alouettes have had, the fact that the season ticket holder base has stood firm for the most part through thick and thin. I think it's a real testament to just the passion that there is very much so in Montreal when it comes to football and the Alouettes. Like people want to be a part of this team. People want to invest in this team. It's just, just got to give them something to cheer about. And that's what they, that's what they did this past Thursday. The Alouettes came together. They played a great game and they gave the fans something to get excited about. And, you really can't ask for much more than that, as far as I'm concerned. No. And by the way, one one funny, uh, one funny tidbit about the uh, about the unveiling. A friend of mine, Chris, who sits next to me, uh, yes, he has had probably had the season tickets next to me longer than the other two gentlemen that had had them with me before. The the funny, I don't know if you noticed this, Cliff. Uh, so where he is located on the banner, he is two names below Shaperay. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> and the fact that he he actually just got married too. Uh, that's that's too perfect. I know, that's too I perfect. Know. Uh, and also after uh, after uh, there, you know some great people that were there, some alumni. Um, it was Peter Della Riva was there. Uh, who else was there? Um, obviously the, the the president of the Alouettes, Patrick Boivin, was there, and some uh, a lot of our ticket uh, ticket season ticket guys. Uh, but. I think one of the interesting thing is I got to chat a little bit, you know, just off the cuff with uh, the, with the Al's president. And the first thing I brought up to him was about the tarps. And I know we mentioned it last week. We were wondering how the were they the Al's going to put tarps up to, to close off the sections. Were they what were they going to do? And before I don't think I told you the story, but Cliff, what was your first reaction? Because I got to see them. Because yeah, actually, I think you got to see them from both sides too. Because you were over in the Beer Garden, also. What was your first reaction when you saw what the team's team did with the and how they did with the tarps? Well, I was generally curious to see what they were going to do, whether it's just going to be sectioned off or what happened exactly. But yeah, it, it definitely is a little jarring to see like literally entire sections of a stadium completely tarped off. I mean, we see it on TV in places like BC plays and in the sky dome when, uh, back in the day when the Argos would play there. Hell, BC now does it just with one giant curtain around the top of the uh, top of the thing now with the new, st- uh, how they have the new stadium configured. So 
so I mean, like this is something that we've, I guess, grown accustomed to seeing on TV. And I mean, it looks fine for the most part. I mean, you, in a perfect world, yes, of course, fans should be sitting in those seats, and perhaps one day that will be that will come again. But I, I guess that that first, uh, I guess, sticker shock, if you will, of, of seeing something like that is like, wow, that that's really something. I wasn't sure what they were going to do as far as how it was going to look, but uh, I think you know they, they made the best of a not so great situation. Uh, at least it looks cleaned up. It looks. Like I said, it looks a little bit more streamlined, if you will. Yeah. And now that the fact that uh, fans pretty much, rather than being spread out all over the place, now the fans are a little more uh, amalgamated and they're all sitting together and able to make noise when they have to and still get a good view of the game and everything. I still, I, I think it's it's fine. It's, it's going to look a little weird at first, but I think get used to it. And again, as long as this team can just keep finding ways to win and keep providing entertaining football, there may come a time where those those tarps are going to have to come off because guess what? People actually want to sit in those seats. People actually want to run to the stadium and buy seats, not just in the fourth quarter, but like all four quarters. So uh, I know that day will come again eventually, and uh, we'll be ready for it. And we'll be excited to see it. But uh, as far as the house looks now, it's it's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not mad at it. And no, no. it's just – it's that that shock of seeing it at first, but uh, I, I tell you what, I think the team with this kind of current situation did the best they could with it, and I think it overall it it, it looks pretty good. And uh, I, I thought it looked good too. Uh, my my one of my first questions to Patrick was to what about you know did the lead team ever think of of trying to get some advertising you know because it, it's done different ways and different you know, I think uh, they have uh, they don't have ads in Edmonton they have I think. Um, they, well, they have some stuff in the end zones in Edmonton, but also the other ones, I think, in the upper deck sometimes they are – what are they? They are, are – are they retired numbers or something like that for Edmonton? I think it's kind of a wall of fame sort of thing, like a ring of honor kind of kind of deal. Like okay. it's something to honor and acknowledge the uh, the great players of the past. Okay. Okay. I don't know what they, I don't know what they call it specifically, but I think it's something along those lines. And what he said to me made a ton of sense actually. Um, obviously, say we're trying to center on this season. You know, we they are currently in the they're currently in the situation that they that they are. It is, we can't do anything about that. Uh, he also did mention that they did try to see uh, see if it was feasible and possible to get some uh, get some advertising for it. He also did mention that because of the way that I guess that the TV uh, the cameras are set up at, at Percival Molson for TV, a lot of the ads would not be shown on TV. The tarps would not be shown on TV, which which I kind of understand. You don't. Why sell something if, if uh, you know, if a particular business is not going to get get some uh, some some TV time, some camera time? But the the thing that he said the most that really made a lot of sense is, is that they are, and just as you're you're reiterating, they are a temporary thing. Those you know, they they are there for a short term thing. That's what they're thinking. Sooner or later, and their goal is for them to be gone. Don't have to worry about having advertisings or advertising on it or not. Uh, but that was the main thing, which I loved to hear mm-hmm. because, because it's like, okay, you guys are moving forward. This year is this year. Uh, you know, you did reduce the seats. You're trying to see, you know, put the best pro- product on the team, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I was, I was impressed with that. The other thing that impressed me the most, and it's funny, um, uh, I, th- I think it was Chris afterwards. He says to me, "You're a- you're asking questions like a reporter, uh, or you're doing an interview." I asked him about uh, what was the team's reaction or the organization's reaction 
to all this talk and you know rumor and innuendo in the in the news about the ownership group. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said they're not really worried about it. You know, people will say what they do, whether they are uh, whether they are reporters, whether they are uh, potential uh, you know owners who want to be you know potential owners of the team. Um, but they want to you know just as long as the you know due diligence is done. And they're able to get this new get this new ownership group into place when when whenever it may be, you know it, it will you know they they're not really concerned about that right now. What people say, they want to just um, you know they want to worry about how how well and the team is doing on the field and, and the product that's on the field. So, mm-hmm. so I was I was impressed. I was impressed with his answers. I really was. So, um, but we'll see what happens, right? <laughs> Well, listen, it's a, it's a step in the right direction, hopefully. And uh, I, I think now that they've got that first game under their belt, so to speak, at home, so now they can sort of – I'm hoping now that they've properly gauged the fan interest and they've seen what works, what doesn't work, and that they just adjust accordingly just for the sole purpose of continuing to make this a fun place to watch a football game. Because let's not forget, when this stadium is packed and it's rocking, and as I said, the fans have something to cheer about – I'm, I'll tell you, for my money, it is the best place to watch a football game. I'm biased. I, I freely admit that. But, I mean, I've gone to other stadiums in the league, and every stadium, I think, has something great to offer its fans and the viewing public. But when it comes to Montreal and it comes to Percival Molson Stadium, again, biases aside, it is when, when the atmosphere is absolutely perfect – there is simply no better place to watch a football game. And I think if Montreal can harness that, that positive energy they got from that first game, they build off that momentum and just continue to keep providing entertainment and providing just a great atmosphere that gets people excited, that makes them want to go to the game and not just rush in for the fourth quarter to see how the game's going to end. If you can get the people in here from bell to bell and get, keep them in, keep them entertained and, and and leave them wanting more, that's only going to bode well for the Alouettes both on and off the field. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned the fourth quarter. It actually would have been one of the best times to actually have and buy those those uh, those seats, those fourth quarter seats. Uh-huh. So um, I, one thing, another one, uh, talk about the, the gameplay and stuff. I've got another question I wanted to ask you, Cliff. What was your thought on, because it kind of irked me a little bit. I understand who we had as our halftime show but what was your I really for once I really wasn't a fan of the first half music selections that they were playing. How about you does, did it did you really notice anything like that or it was like you know it or did it bother you? Uh, again, I'm uh, I'm not, I'm not a huge hip hop fan to be honest with you. I mean there's some stuff I can appreciate but uh, I I find the how can I put this delicately the uh, the Quebecois rap scene it's not my cup of tea. Right. And we, we got a fair bit of that. I found dur- during the first half. And yeah. uh, again, I, I'm not going to be one of these uh, fuddy duddies. That's like, Oh, you got to play trooper. You got to play April wine or whatever. Bullshit, you know, music people want to listen to that's you know, may have been relevant 30 years ago, but has no place in, in the scene today. Like I understand Montreal is supposed to be one of these progressive urban cities. That's supposed to be on, you know, embracing the cool factor and things like that. I right. just don't think it's necessarily Quebecois rap, to be honest with you. Maybe one or two songs, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I definitely think it, it made a bit of a, 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 made a bit of a difference in the mood. And I think once 
people were not expected to once they realized they were at a football game and this wasn't necessarily spending their whole time trying to get like that awesome Instagram selfie or just being seen or anything like that. Like once they realized, Oh yeah, there's a football game going on and I should be paying attention to that. Yeah. I think that changed the mood. And I think too, the, uh, the DJ also changed the, his playlist, if you will. They did. Yeah. Stuff that I actually liked. (laughs) Well, it's it's stuff that was a little bit more relatable for a football game. And especially too, like the, the, the goal is to get people hyped up. I mean, especially when the team's on defense, you want people making noise. Well, if you're playing like crap music, then very few people are going to, but you start playing the right tunes. And in addition to, you know, encouraging everyone to make noise and get loud, they'll do it. And they did. And that was beautiful. Like, yeah, I remember even just like injury or TV timeouts, they kept, the, they kept everybody going and everybody was pumped up. And aside from the fact that uh, those doofuses trying to start the wave when the team was on offense, okay, fine. Put that aside. Everything else, like this crowd acted like a football crowd and it really made for an amazing environment. Like I watched the game on TV afterwards and I didn't personally notice it too, too much. But I mean, if you were in there and you, you felt it, like that was incredible. Like you can actually at some points do feel the crowd through the TV. Mm-hmm. So if you if you can hear it on TV, that means it must be pretty damn loud. And I tell you, like after a couple of those uh, William Standback touchdowns, oh, the place a, was a, jumping. Especially that one where he became a high hurdler. Oh, what a play! <laughs> what a play! I, I was actually, oh. I was actually also able to reach out to the team. I, I haven't really gotten the answer yet. Um, What's funny? I was asking about there's they're playing something new now, Cliff. Um, after the extra point is kicked on Alouette, on uh, after Alouette touchdowns, mm-hmm. and I don't know what it is. It sounds like the old type of of, of university fight songs. I don't right. know what it is. I know back in the day the Alouettes had there was there's this 1950s 1960s thing that each team in the CFL had their own little fight song, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't been able to confirm it. It, that's what it is. But it's funny. I, I was, it was actually because they gave me the two, the after TD song and the one before that they kick the kick off after TD. They were like, I did not know what it was. So if anybody wants it, I don't know if you know this either. So the after TD song, you, you know, the one is uh, I think they play a short clip of it, Cliff, or a, a, a condensed version. It's called mm-hmm. uh, J'aime les oiseaux. Ah, okay. I'll, I'll send you the link. I'll send you the link. And the one, and I, you know, the song, the, the, which, the song that I actually like. Right before they're about to play out, about to kick off, you know, they, you know, that, that one, right? Right. Okay. That one's, that one's, uh, Mo, uh, Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba, yes. That's, yeah. uh, it's popular amongst the kids, or at least, uh, I, you know, the. I like it. I like it. But I'm trying to find out what that song, I swear. After the show, I'll, I'll show you the link. I swear it's the beginning or part of the actual fight song from the 1960s that they're using for for it. I swear that's what it is because I know it's one of the newer things that I notice, and it, it's just a small 15, 30 second clip, but something I've noticed. So that they that they've, that they've included. I don't know if you noticed it at all though. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And I, I tell you what, if we if we can't get the answer, worst case scenario, next home game, I say we storm the DJ booth and we we get the answers that way. Yes, yes. Tell us what it is. <laughs> Security to the yeah. press box. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but overall, great atmosphere. I was happy, obviously, with the outcome. Um, let's let's talk a little bit more about the game because there was just, dude, there was just so much to talk about in this game itself. Um, by the way, were you a little bit uh, worried there when you found out that, that Al Bradbury was going to be the ref? 
worried. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, and uh, again, I, I, I know how things work, folks. I, I know referees are not biased against teams, but my God, at, at least sell us the idea that they're not because it really came across. There's a few times where I, like Bradbury was just, you can see him looking around and it's like, Oh, do I call this? Should I call this? Like, no, swallow your whistle, Al, because, uh, yeah. man, like, like some of these calls were just like, talk about reaching. Like, you, like, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, hey, the positive is, is that I guess, uh, Hamilton ruled the day when it came to, uh, uh, roughing the passer uh, uh, calls. <laughs> My goodness. It helped us quite a bit, too. Like You, you talk about how, how undisciplined Montreal was when they were at Tim Hortons Field two weeks ago mm-hmm. versus what – it felt like they, that energy, that that that, uh, that mean streak, or, or so to speak, or just that being undisciplined, it just sort of followed. But this time it stuck to the Hamilton Tiger Cats because they were just the, – the, the refs were throwing orange laundry at them all night long, especially – they get something going, like they shut down a drive, but then boom, it turned out roughing the passer, uh-huh. roughing the passer. Like it was unbelievable. Like Vernon Adams was taking a licking out there. Yeah. And it's funny because he had like, there's uh, six quarterback sacks on him against these same Tiger Cats. Like the Tiger Cats had six quarterback sacks on him two weeks ago. And I think only two this time around, but uh, again, like the, like the, the, def- the defensive line was able still to get to Adams and, put a hurt on him but uh, this we, time at least he, of, he got a penalty out of it yeah we allowed one one i'm sorry yeah, that's we, we got to we got to Woo. That, and that's that's news in and of itself the alouettes finally they were the going into this game they were the last team the, the only team of the cfl to have not recorded a quarterback sack but that's all changed now all thanks changed. to thanks to bo banner and john bowman yep yeah. Uh, uh, by the way, final tally for for penalties: fifteen for one hundred and seventy nine yards for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and thirteen for one hundred and fifty four yards for the Alouettes. That's still bad in itself. That uh, that's still pretty bad. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I, again, to to go a, an entire game without a penalty is next to impossible. But I mean, like. Discipline still has to be a concern. I mean, yes, Hamilton was a little bad, uh, a little more bad, but yeah, it, it's still not a good look, no matter how you slice it. Mm-hmm. So the Alouettes started off quite well; they went up ten nothing, but then it li- didn't look so hot after the after that fact for a little while there, right, Cliff? Because I think Hamilton ran off what was it, fifteen straight points? Yeah, fifteen straight points. And we, I'm sure, as fans, we were worried, like, oh no, here we go again. But yeah, hey, we, we we shut them out in the third. Uh, it, it it obviously everything everything worked out well. <laughs> it did. Although again, Hamilton was mounting a bit of a comeback as well, and yeah, it, it's yeah. so funny because that fourth quarter we were up really, by 18, I thought was we up by eight. yep, yeah, up eighteen points. Yeah, yeah. At one point, it was thirty six to eighteen for the Alouettes, and as I said, like as far as momentum, they had it. They they were they had reached their peak as far as momentum goes. And uh, my, my concern above everything else, like, yes, this is exciting. And they, you know, they're scoring points and it's pretty awesome, but Hamilton's still in this game very much. So, and then like a touchdown here, a field goal there. And it's like, Oh crap, they're back in this. Like, it just felt like it almost felt at one point, like Montreal was doing everything they can to give the game back to the tiger cats. But then once again, Hamilton shoots themselves in the foot with a penalty and just Montreal was just able to hang on. Like, I mean, this is not what I'd call a 
victory to be completely proud of. I mean, yes, be proud of the fact that you won, but I mean, like this, this could have gone either way for sure. And oh, yeah. the fact that Montreal was able to hang on is a victory in and of itself. But I mean, there, there was a couple of moments where like, you're just sitting there like gritting your teeth, like, mm-hmm. man, just, just get through this. Just like after uh, Hamilton scored their last uh, field goal and they had, to, they would have had to score a touchdown just to tie the game. I'm like, just play boring football like for a minute and three seconds and believe me the Alouettes have blown leads like this before well with so do, little time on the it clock came close in this one that yeah on the kickoff after the fact you know the question was uh-huh. where the hell was where's the hands team it was nowhere to be seen uh-huh. and because uh luckily because of the ball going out of uh, the, the the uh the defender the, the tiger cats player going out of bounds first and then touching the ball to go out of bounds? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. That, I, think, I think it was illegal. What they call legal legal participation. That's right. Yeah. So we got we got lucky. Um, let's, go over, let's go over the stats here. Uh, Vernon Adams, 14 to 25. Uh, 202 yards, no TDs, no interceptions. Uh, the big game, uh, the, uh, the, the, the big stat, obviously, is uh, William Stanback. Uh, 22 carries, 203 yards, uh, three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. First Alouette to have over 200 yards rushing since Mike Pringle did it back in 1998. Uh, oh yeah, Vernon had had uh, 59 yards uh, rushing. So did uh, uh, so did uh, Stefan Logan had two. Leading uh, leading receiver for the Alouettes was a gentleman who was in there just because of an injury. Quay Bray, sorry, Quan Bray, 11 Quan? targets, eight receptions for 54 yards. B.J. Cunningham, 67 yards. Uh, any of the big uh, Stanbeck also had 46 yards. Uh, I, you know, when when you talk, I think it was you told me or somebody told me that uh, I think you t- told me that because uh, I hadn't heard that uh, we had lost a receiver for the game. I was like, oh man, now what? But it seemed like hey, the game worked well, and uh, I said we we got that win. So uh, not having Posey for one game seemed to seemed to ha- seemed to be okay for us at least for one week. Yeah, definitely not a habit we want to get into, though, because Devere Posey is very much a, a major playmaker. But uh, props to Quan Bray for stepping up. Uh, again, it, it, it you got to have that mentality of next man up. Like when your number is called, when they when they select you to be part of this, you got to be ready. You got to be ready to go. And Quan Bray was ready. Like you can tell that he and uh, Vernon Adams they had that connection throughout training camp. Yeah. Uh, when it came to like preseason games and even just regular scrimmages, like these guys were, they were clicking. They 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 had something going there. So and and that's something that again we've been talking about for years now with the Alouettes quarterbacks is just establishing that relationship with your receivers. And it looked like he, uh, Laquan Brave, was able to do that pretty well with Vernon Adams, which is great because as you said, he was targeted eleven times. Uh, over 80 yards reception. I mean, that's that's pretty solid for your first CFL game. That's that's a that's a great way to welcome uh, welcome yourself to the league. Yeah, no kidding. I think one, the one stat on the Hamilton side that which is still a little concerning, I'm sure for Owls fans if you've been paying attention, is that for the third straight game, Cliff, we gave up 400 yards passing. Mm-hmm. That's concerning. Now we were, uh, you know, um, uh, Sean Thomas Erlington was not a factor because he got. He got blown up on his oh, first, yeah. on his first attempt of a catch, and he was out for the rest of the game. Uh, but Jalen Acklin, wow, uh, ten receptions, one hundred and twenty yards. Uh, Brandon Banks again, 
Uh, 10 targets, 7 receptions for 88 yards. Cliff, you know, the defense play did play better. But this, you know, they cannot continue to give up. I mean, they've given up twelve more than 1,200 yards of passing in just three games. Yeah, that's a major, major concern. And that's... What gets me is that there's so much talent in that secondary. It's kind of scary, to be honest with you. The linebacking core is is a force, especially when you got guys like Hinak Mwamba and Jean-Gabriel Poulain there. Uh, Glenn Love, too, before he got hurt. Uh, Like, he was... On a, he, he was on another level. Like he actually got himself an INT yeah. off of Masoli. So I mean, like there, there's talent in this in this Alouette secondary, but my God, they do let they they let the other teams just run roughshod over them, and it's I, one or two games you can sort of accept. But I mean, like it's become a pattern now, and it's one that has to has to stop. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they've just got to find a way to just tighten things up and. Uh, I, I don't know if they're just afraid that the, the rest are going to throw a flag on them just for looking at the, uh, <laughs> the receivers cross-eyed. I don't know, but you you can't let teams like this just you know dummy you like that. Yeah. It, especially too, like we've played uh, Hamilton twice and Edmonton once, and they've they've got some very solid receivers on the, that team. So of course you got to give them the respect. You got to give them a, a chance to play, but. Man, like there's respecting your opponent and then just letting him literally walk all over you or run all over you in this case. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, was, I was very impressed with the fact that they were able to silence Brandon Banks for the most part, especially after he had a, a major game against them two weeks ago. But then other guys stepped up to the plate. And man, I tell you that Jalen Aquin, uh, this kid, uh, he he made the yellow. It's, he, they knew his name by the end of the game. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, like th- this is just like a, a trend that just needs to stop when it comes to the Alouettes and just letting quarterbacks essentially carve up the carve up the field. It, it, you cannot. You, you got to find a way to tighten things up. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they've got to find a way, no matter what. Um. Uh, by the way, I, I'm talking about big hits. What about that stick by Greg Reed? Whew. Man. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I mean, I tell you what, this this guy definitely deserves his starting spot, and I don't see him giving that up for a good long time, even with a couple of moves that uh, yeah, was made, which we'll talk about yeah. more later on in the show. But uh, Greg Reed has definitely proven that he belongs in this league, and he definitely belongs on this Alouettes team. Yeah. And I, I couldn't be happier for him. I got to speak with him a little bit after the game, oh, and you can you. just – cool, cool. And he he was just elated. Like I think there's a relief knowing that yes, we 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 got that win. We got to, got that first win at home, and that's an awesome feeling. But you can see that he was just just so happy to be there and so happy to be a part of this. And we talked about it with him last year. Like he just wants to be a part of something big. And you can tell that he's he's willing to do his part to be a part of this organization. And. Uh, I'm just I'm really excited to see what's going to be happening as the season progresses. Just how much more we're going to see of Greg Reed in the Alouettes defense. Exactly. Um, what I thought was very interesting too, and one of the bigger stats: um, the Alouettes had 67 total plays from scrimmage. The Tiger Cats Tiger Cats had 66. But what's funny, Cliff, is the Alouettes held the ball for almost nine minutes more. It's remarkable how the Alouettes keep winning the time of possession game. It's just now a matter of having more games like this past Thursday where you actually do something with it. Mm-hmm. Like, like it, I, I mean, and winning the turnover battle, like this is the first time they've won the turnover battle and won the game at the same time. That's 
uh, I mean, like I said, the pieces are there. There is definitely talent on this team. I think it really just it's clearly seems to just be a matter of letting it all gel, letting it all come together. And maybe that's what all it was. Maybe it was just this team just needed a little bit more time to really find themselves, to really be, you know, realize what exactly what they had in their locker room. And now I think everybody else is going to start realizing it as well. Because if you didn't know William Stanback's name before, you sure as hell know it now. If you had any doubt about what kind of quarterback Vernon Adams can be, I don't think you've got that doubt anymore. And once this defense really clicks, really gets together, especially like a guy like Patrick Levels, who is literally all over the place, laying the wood on people. Yeah. I, I tell you what, between him and Hinoch Mwamba just throwing their weight around, man, there, there is definitely a lot to like here, and uh, it's only going to get better. It can only get better. I mean, man, there's there's just a lot of positive here. It's just a matter of now the Alouettes have to realize the potential that they have within themselves and just do everything they can to make this a fun, exciting team to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, as we do every week, we do give our, our team grades for the game. Uh, Cliff, uh, let's uh, let's start with you. Uh, what would you give uh, your overall grade for the offense? I have to go A. They, 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 they found ways to score. I mean, it was easy. Just give the ball to William Stanback, and he will literally run all over you. I mean, he was on fire. But Fernand Adams, for the most part, played a solid game. Uh, he made his reads very well. Uh, he connected with different receivers. Uh, again, the fact that he was able to incorporate not just his own running game, but incorporate Stanback into the mix more than – what we've seen over the past few games or even the past couple of years when it comes to the running attack for the Alouettes, he was able to command. And I got the sense like he knows this is his team for now. And again, as long as he keeps playing like this, it just may end up staying his team for the foreseeable future. And I think overall he did a great job in leading this team and there was, there was no sense of urgency. There was no sense of, like, no panic or anything like that. Like, he looked extremely comfortable behind center, and the team responded to him. Like, just like they did when he stepped in relief uh, for Antonio Pipkin in Edmonton. This team just clicked. Like, it took a little while. Like I said, that, that first half was not the greatest, but yeah. in that fourth quarter, it just seemed like everything just sort of snapped into place. And all of a sudden, this was a well-oiled machine. Like, everything worked and i give a lot of credit to vernon for being able to i guess kind of making his way through that that initial dark period and then just once once he got it all figured out once they figured out the magic combination to what makes this alouette seem work so well they did it and they kept working their plan over and over again and they got the results i mean you, you can't be mad at that i mean this is a team that had a bit of hardship. They've, they're still kind of finding their way a little bit, but by and large, this offense really came together and they put points on the board, like big time points on the board. So this is, uh, I, I have to say, like this is definitely an A effort, 100% for this Alouette's offense. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that. Um, I would like to have seen a little bit more from the passing game, but obviously it was an offset, you know, because of the positives that came from the running game. So um, uh, they they had the they had the, the game plan that was necessary. Uh, as I said, I, I just want to see the passing game uh, get a little bit better. If we can do, you know, we can go, uh, you know, run heavy and pass heavy each game and, and each do really really well, I'll, that that'll be 
you know, I, I, for sure I'll give him an A. I mean, I'll give him an A overall, but I just want to see the uh, see the pass game improve just a touch. Um, how would what would you give the defense? Defense, I'd have to go. I'll go C on defense. And yes, they made, they, once again, they made plays happen. They they turned the ball or caused turnovers. But at the same time, they still got shredded for 400 yards by Jeremiah Masoli in the air. Uh, they still let the opponents walk all over them for the most part. I mean, it just felt like more they, they survived as opposed to set the tone. Like they just sort of took Hamilton's best body blows, absorbed them as best they could, and they were still standing at the end. But it didn't feel, uh, despite like one or two great plays from this defense, it still felt like there's something missing. There's still something a little bit more. It, it looked a hell of a lot better than it did two weeks ago, but uh, still a lot of room for improvement. But I'd say overall, I, I was, for the most part, pleased with what I saw. But definitely, I can, I, I know with this, just the star power alone on this team, I know that they can be a lot better, and they will get better uh, as the season progresses, provided everybody stays healthy. I think this still can be a very elite defense. So they're not there yet, but they're getting there. So. I, I, I feel very comfortable giving a C grade, leaning more towards a B, but I, I'd say for now a, a very solid C on this Elwood's defense. Yeah, I would give him a C also because you know the the passing yards is still uh, something that I'm really worried about, um, but it, it, that needs to get better, you know. So it's yeah, I'll, I'll give him, I'll give it a C also. But overall, I mean, as, as we saw, the team t- team played well, and it just makes him you know. Hopefully, with some of these changes and some of these transactions that we did just over the past couple of days, we'll we'll make a difference. But um, what, the last thing we want to talk about, Cliff, for this game itself, because I know you had a chance to go on the field after the game and everything that happened before. It's funny, you know, LBJ was only really it looks like he was only scheduled to only play part. Uh, I think it was the first series itself, and, and then come out uh, and and be done. But uh, a it, it seems funny. Uh, you know, the, the more when people finish it all and you want to retire, sometimes things pull you back in. And in this case, that happened also because of uh, because of an injury. LBJ had to come back into the game. So I think it was pretty fitting that he was a he, he actually had to play more than what was scheduled for his last game in an Alouette's uniform. Yeah. And I think he would have if. All it was was he just plays that first series, and which essentially to me felt like it would have been just paying him lip service. I still think he's so much of a pro, LBJ, that I still think he would have gone out, done it to the best of his ability, and he would have, he, he still could have walked away knowing that, okay, I, I did everything I could and I got to leave on my terms. But the fact that he was prompted back in due to injury, I, I think that made made it even more better. And just the fact that Alouette's lineup in victory formation, something that doesn't happen too, too often. And the fact that it was him that was handing off the ball to Vernon Adams to end this game and to bring home that first victory of 2019. I, I, I tell you, like, I mean, I'm not huge on emotions when it comes to football games and man, I, I just, I was so happy for, for look to be able to basically write his own ticket. Like he, he's not retiring a champion, but as far as I'm concerned, he is walking away a winner. And you really can't ask for more than that when it comes to football. Like football, nothing is guaranteed. Like you think about how many people have had their careers cut short due to injury or other factors. The fact that LBJ was able to walk away from this game that he loves so much after 12 seasons, basically 
coming out on top well, as, as much on top as possible with a victory at home in front of his fans, in front of his family, and to basically walk away with his health and on his own terms, you really can't ask for more than that. I mean, that was that was great. And I tell you what, uh, all, all the props, all the respect to look for doing it his way. And I'm so happy that I was able to thank him for all the the years of service he gave to the Alouettes organization. And I told him like, I, I hope you don't stray too far away. I understand if you don't, if you don't think you can play anymore, I get it, but I hope you still will be a part of this Alouettes organization. And lo and behold, he still will be a part of this Alouettes organization. Yeah. Yeah. Great segue. Great segue. As we found out today, uh, LBJ has joined the team as a, an O-line assistant. Um, he will be taking over uh, starting immediately. Um, what's funny is that I guess this is just how I how I, I think Cliff is that the my first thought wasn't that this is an amazing pickup for the Alouettes he'll be able to stay you know because a, a lot of the players were saying that he will be missed on the sidelines he'll be missed in the locker room well they got that but I stray to well wait a minute haven't the Alouettes gone over the CFL coaches cap <laughs> that's that that's where that's where my brain went when I first saw it um you know just as a quick reminder the way that it's listed is that coach uh, that for under the cf there is a cap of money wise but also you can only have a maximum of 11 coaches and then there's 10 uh, in uh, football ops so you and i i would reach out to the team to try to get some information and if any of the the owls brass is listening please please reach out to me um uh, you guys have my email or, or reach out to me on, on twitter um and uh, Try to get, we're trying to get some clarification if we can, because Cliff, you and I before the show started, we were coming up on a couple of ideas on how they he may have and the team may have gotten around this, uh, him being actually um, uh, not being counted under the cap. Um, what what were the ideas that you and I were talking about? Well, one thing that I kind of wondered is. As you know, he had signed a contract uh, to play this season, and I think he signed it knowing full well that it was going to be his last season in the Canadian Football League. I'm wondering, did he actually file his retirement papers? Because in which case, that would make his contract null and void, and he'd have to sign on as a uh, as, as a member of the organization in another capacity, like as far as a coach goes. Right. So I'm wondering, maybe he didn't officially, maybe the, like he's still part of the team under his player contract and maybe that's how they get around the whole coaches cap thing because i guess there maybe the rules aren't clear about what constitutes a coach versus a player kind of thing when it comes to i i guess like how it works under a contract so i'm wondering if that's how they sort of work around the coaches cap by having look still be technically a member of the team as though he were a player but in all reality, he's just going to be a defensive or a offensive line assistant. Right. So that was, to me, that I, that's kind of where I'm wondering if that's how they sort of work around this uh, this coach's cap, this uh, the, uh, uh, the what do you call it, limitations that are imposed on uh, each coaching staff in the Canadian Football League. Uh, let's see, what was the other uh, scenario? We we talked about another scenario as well, but uh, as far as I'm concerned, like that's. To me, that's the one that makes kind of the most sense because yeah, I think it, both, it was basically both. It was like under play, being as a player, he's still there because um, he's not. We checked; he's not on the active roster. 
Um, it, it was a combination of something where, again, he was still a, he's still under a player's contract, but as you said, I think it was a combination of the two where you said maybe he hasn't filed his uh, he hasn't filed his pa- his papers yet. Or the other thing that you mentioned is that maybe there is some sort of definition where an uh, a, an assistant may not be counted. But then again, we looked at how some of the guys are listed currently on the coaching staff, and some of them are listed as assistants. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I said hopefully we'll get some more information and we'll be able to uh, uh, we'll be able to let you know what the actual definition or, or how that LBJ is able to stay on uh, as a coach and the team is not going to get fined, uh, lose a uh, lose a draft pick or, or whatever the other uh, or, or what or a personal fine. Also, I think that was the other thing too that that could possibly happen. So I don't know. We'll have to find out. We'll have to find out. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure it'll eventually all work out. And again, if it turns out that Luke does a terrific job as a position coach, uh, then obviously this is a decision that Montreal will have to make towards the end of next season, or depending on. Well, I guess it all everything all ties together with whether ownership comes in and they decide to implement their own staff, uh, whether they want to keep uh, Luke as a part of that or not. Uh, it's hard to say, but I guess for now we'll just be thankful that he's still very much a part of this organization, just in a different way, just not on the field, just mm-hmm. off the field and uh, just appreciate what we have while we've got him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before we get to our uh, game preview uh, with, uh, with uh, the, the wood cookie saw casts, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Rod Villa Gomez, total brain freeze uh we want to talk about the uh the interesting transactions that have happened with the alouettes over the past couple days don't we yes we do uh well whether it's due to injuries or other other extenuating circumstances uh the alouettes made a few uh interesting moves over the weekend Mm -hmm. Uh, most notably uh as a result of glenn love being injured in the uh, game against the tiger cats uh, they decided that the Elwitz still need a little bit more help uh, in the linebacking core. So they brought back a familiar face to the Alouettes in one Chris Ackie. Uh, he played four seasons with the Alouettes uh, previous to being traded to the Ottawa Red Blacks last season for a second round pick, which ended up becoming Nate Anderson. Uh, I'm very excited about uh uh, about that pick because Nate Anderson, I think, has great potential. And the fact that Alacostas was just basically renting Chris Aki out to the Ottawa Red Blacks for their playoff run. Uh, Aki decided, uh, well, it was very clear in uh, Aki's contract that uh, he was to be released from the club at the end of the season so that he can pursue NFL opportunities. Uh, those never materialized, and he just decided he was going to do wait things out and see where injuries end up with the league before he signs with his next club. And lo and behold, he decided to, to he enjoyed his time in Montreal considerably. And now he's back in the fold. So guess what? This uh, defense that I keep talking about, how the stars that are a part of that, well, we've got yet another star in Chris Aki back. So I'm very excited to see this national talent back in the fold from Montreal. And uh, if that wasn't exciting enough, uh, a one Taylor Loeffler, another national star who was on the six game injured list, is no longer on the six game injured list. Interesting. So, 
So now I'm really excited to see, uh, potentially as early as this Saturday in Ottawa, I'm really curious to see how we'll, how if uh, Chris Aki and or Taylor Loeffler both end up playing in this game and playing together. Because if these guys get together and play the way they, I know that they can play, oh boy, we, we be excited, folks. Be very excited. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Aki one was really surprised me. I had not seen the one about about Lothville either. It, it, it's so weird that you you know you, you put a guy on for a six game and he comes off. And you're like, wait a minute, what the hell's going on? Uh, was it as not as, as bad or, or, or I, is there a limitation to who you can put on the one game? Maybe that was it, or maybe I'd if we have a chance, we'll have to ask him. We really will. Well, and perhaps maybe, like I said, some people are just heal pretty well. Maybe this guy's like the next uh, Wolverine. Like he just heals very quickly. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, no, uh, it's it, again. You can, you can't have too many talented players on this uh, in this defense. And the addition of a Chris Aki, along with the return of Taylor Loeffler, is just going to make this defense fearsome. And I, I, for one, cannot wait to see what these guys do back in the Alouettes and back in the Alouettes uniforms. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it'll be very interesting. Hey, uh, we wanted to bring on somebody from one of the, one of our members of the, uh, uh, the CFL pod network to talk about this week's game uh, versus the red blacks. Uh, so we will uh, get with our game preview with Rod Villa Gomez. And when we get back, we'll uh, have a couple more comments and we'll finish up the show. Well, to join us with the preview of this week's Alouettes matchup versus the Ottawa franchise. Who knows? It's so many names. What can we call them? Oh, that's right. Red Blacks. Uh, with us on the line is Rod Villa Gomez. He is one of the hosts of the Wood Cookie Sawcast podcast. That sounds so, that's such a mouthful, Rod. But you're, you're, we're happy to have you anyway. <laughs> Thank you both for having me. The podcast, I was I was feeling punny that day, and I didn't think anybody would add podcast to the end of it. Sawcast podcast, I can see how that would trip you up. Woodkey Sawcast podcast, and we got. And if anybody who hasn't heard your but your podcast, if anybody asks, obviously it's about the Red Blacks. Um, but how did the name come about? If, if I mean, anybody knows the CFL, but say some of those the U.S. fans who don't know about that much about the Red Blacks, what is what is your podcast in reference to? The name. So basically, I was trying to come up with a name. I, I wanted the Plaidcast. I want. I mean, there are so many things that I was thinking of, but some congressman or some representative from from a state took the Plaidcast. So I don't want to take that. So I was digging in for some, you know, good old fashioned Red Blacks lore, and and was watching a game one day, and they cut a wood cookie off, and I said, "There it is, the wood cookie." And then, of course, what cook what cuts off wood cookies? But a saw instead of podcast, it took the saw cast and. Yeah. The legend was born. There you go. Just like you and the guys for the, for the BC Lions Den, they they did the same thing. To, I think something similar to there's the yeah there's the pod P A W D cast. Fun fact though, yeah. I did email I did email the pod father yeah. uh, before I even launched the show, and I said, listen, I am contemplating using something that sounds semi familiar to podcast, but I'm doing sawcast. Would that be you know stepping on you guys? And uh-huh. if that is if so, I'll I'll change completely and got a you know brian emailed back and said no worries run with it go for it so i was like i got the blessing Sweet. you got the blessing that's good that's good that's good well, we don't don't have any of the stats out previewing the game coming up yet on saturday um but uh we want to talk about this matchup um for, hey for once the owls are coming off a win 
the Red Blacks are coming off of a loss. Who would have thought a cliff first and foremost? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one thing we want to talk about is is very possible, at least at the moment, uh, Rod, that we don't know who's going to be starting under center for the Owls. We know who's going to be starting under center most likely for, you know, obviously for, for Ottawa, but we don't know who's going to be starting under center for, uh, for the Alouettes. As a, as a Red Blacks fan, uh, does it worry, or do you, you have no you have no concerns at all that the team will be fully prepared no matter who's going to be starting? I would have said that last week if we had beat Winnipeg. I'm concerns because you know Pipkin can be Pipkin and he can do good, but Vernon Adams, man, he really did look good last week, and I I fear. And I said it going in, too. I, I, this Alex team, you, you can only keep a team down so long yeah. before they finally find their way. And, I mean, believe it or not, Montreal's hung tough all, all season long and finally got their first win last week. And, and it wasn't that bad of a win. Like, there's ugly wins, but that, would not, that was not one of them. So uh, I think I can honestly say going into a week, I kind of fear the Alouettes this week. Yeah, we were looking for the uh, so many many minutes here. We were looking for the, line, the early lines for this game, but nothing has been available either here in the uh, here in Canada or in the U.S. So, uh, what's up with that? But anyways, um, <laughs> um, I, when it comes to the Red Blacks, I mean, what obviously they're coming off of a, a loss that probably is going to be stinging quite a bit. Um, you know, they did what they needed to do in getting rid of certain players that they felt were the cause of the loss last week. Um, what, what's your thought on, on the roster changes that the, uh, that the Red Blacks made so early in the week? Well, I'm excited by the new pickup. I definitely think that, uh, you know, Knox is going to, to help a already see. And I think the defense is, is basically the strength of this team anyways. And it has been for a few years, but now I think they're leaning a lot on that defense. Um, you know, the showing in, in Saskatchewan, notwithstanding. Right. Uh, but, but still, I mean, you know, when you look at that, the offense is, uh, pardon and in fact the, the the loss of Lankford I know they probably do blame him for that oh man but you you got to give more than Lankford making that mistake you really got to give Metlock some credit on that play because that was a heads up play dude was down all game long right mm-hmm. not making field goals and he knew that that was his one chance <clears throat> to actually do something good and he took it so as much as a bonehead play by Langford, it was a really good play by Med, uh, Medlock. So should he have gotten cut over it? I don't know. But it, the thing is, is that we brought him in to be an explosive kick returner to make up for the, the loss of Deontay Spencer. And he did okay, but he never really had that explosiveness. And we could never fit him in on offense. So I, I got to think that at that point he was uh, expendable. And it's sad to see him go because he's got a lot of potential, but... You know, three games in, tough loss. You, you got to do something. I've never thought of the CFL, though, as oh, uh, uh, what have you done for us lately kind of league. They'll usually give you another chance, uh, you know, especially if your name is Johnny Menzel. Oh, sorry, John Menzel. <laughs> John Menzel. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I, I would think that they would give, you know, I, players from across this league where they have always had one or more chance to do this type of thing, watch them be picked up by somebody else. But anyway, that's that's no here. That's, that's already... Uh, water under the bridge but 
Um, uh, I know, Cliff, you have, I know you have some questions for Rod. What do you, what do you want to ask him? Okay, uh, Rod, as far as Brad Sinopoli goes this season, I know it's still early, but uh, we haven't quite seen the same explosiveness from him or use in the offense that we've had in years previous. Uh, do you think that not having Trevor Harris and Greg Ellingson and some of those guys around him, do you think that's made a big impact on the way he plays his game, or do you think it's just uh, a minor blip and nothing to really panic too much about? Well, I hear they got his picture on milk cartons out there in Ottawa right right now. <laughs> They're kind of trying to find. No, to be honest with you, I, and and I said this in a, in a show a couple episodes ago, I feel like Davis has come in and leaned heavy on the younger guys. You know, the Rhymes is, um, you know, and, and the Harrises. But and I don't I don't understand, and I can't really wrap my head around the fact that Sinopoli is not getting a whole lot more. That maybe Trevor, like you said, Trevor Harris needed that underneath cushion needed that guy to uh to, to bail him out when he couldn't necessarily find his way out of the pocket long enough to, to find the open receiver downfield whereas we've seen harris escape the pocket do some great things and make throws downfield where harris didn't necessarily have that so he needed a guy like sinopoli to be that guy in the middle to 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 catch those passes that he was trying to escape from so um, I don't think Davis really needs that as much. But what we need to see from Sinopoli is a little more, I think, leadership because this young receiving core is a lot of raw talent, and we've seen that on display. You know, we saw Dominique Rimes go off for over 150 yards, and uh, the thing is, is that these guys need to, I think, calm down a little bit and to run routes and just run straight up the field. Uh, who's been the biggest surprise for you so far? good or bad for the red blacks to be honest with you it's it's davis and it's davis because of the way he bounced back from a horrible week one look nobody really gave him i think much of a chance going in to this to actually be the guy to be the one that that be the quarterback for this team and when you turn in a four interception performance in game one he could have very easily given up he could have very easily thrown the towel and said man this is crazy like, what am I doing? And and yet he didn't. And he hung with it, and they won the game. Uh, and then in week two, to come out and go toe-to-toe with Co- Cody Fajardo, uh, yep. you know, it, it impressed me enough to where I think even with a game like last week, and, and Tim, you said yes, like CFL's not a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. So yeah. for Davis to be able to come back in this week against Montreal with the ball still in his hand, and no, there has been no mention anywhere not even in in red blacks fans like, like with harris everyone was already looking over trying to figure out davis should come out no one's looking over their shoulder for jonathan jennings yet it, it's still dominique davis's ball it's still dominique davis's team so I, I think he's been the biggest surprise this year the most pleasant surprise uh if you ask me um obviously with the the alouettes having a huge running game uh last week uh, the most yardage since 1998 in a single game. You know, last time was was Mike Pringle who did this. Um, what really? What do the Red Blacks have to look really uh, center on this week? I mean, it, it's it's really a double edged sword now because it seems that if if the Owls can continue their, this way, whether it be even if the running back gets more yards because he you know we had more rushing yards than passing yards last week. Uh, it, it's going to really give uh, both the offense and the defensive sides of the ball uh, for Ottawa to really, uh, really take note. But I mean, what uh, what is it? What does the defense have to do to to basically control this game if they want to win? I would say key off on Stanbeck, but at the same time, you do that, and if Vernon Adams does start, then he's potential to to hook up with guys 
Cunningham down the field because B.J. Cunningham is a big, strong receiver. Uh, last week, the secondary for Ottawa couldn't keep up with big, strong receivers. And, you know, they let a guy like Nick Dembski uh, break off for 105 yards. Granted, he's not the biggest guy on the block, but, you know, Darvin Adams had 55 yards, and he's a pretty big guy. So mm-hmm. um, you just got to – I think for, for, for Ottawa defense, they need to calm down, settle down, and, and, you know, forget last week, forget before even because they kind of got shellacked with uh, Fajardo. But I think they need to get back down to, to putting pressure on who's ever behind center for Montreal. And that's really what it, it needs to happen is that there just needs to be more pressure on the quarterback. Um, they, need to, they need to get more sacks because when, when the Red Blacks defense gets sacks, then the Red Blacks do well. Uh, and so far in last week, they couldn't get home on Matt Nichols or Chris Trevler for that matter. And uh, you could tell, you could tell that with both of them having enough time back there, uh, it, it just equated to to more time on the field. And the session was, uh, uh, Montreal, Winnipeg had the ball for about 30 minutes to uh, to Ottawa's 20. So that can't happen this week against Montreal. They have to be able to control the pace and, and be able to do something with the ball when they get it. It makes me wonder, and I think Cliffy would probably agree with me on this one too. Um, you know, the Alouettes finally got their first sacks, sacks of the year uh, this past week. Um, it, it really throws a, a different wrinkle, I think, into things. Uh, who would have thought at this time, uh, even now, that the Alouettes would be leading the league in rushing yards? I, I never saw that one coming. You know, I, I, I could understand having a little bit of issues with quarterbacks and stuff like that, but leading the league in rushing? What's going on? Um, now, one of the big- go ahead, Cliff. I was going to say, uh, considering how many times I've complained about the Alouettes getting away from the rushing game, mm-hmm. the fact that they're leading the league in rushing yards is definitely mind blowing. Yeah, yeah, it completely is. Now, one of the things I think that Ottawa has going for themselves, Rod, is that Montreal has given up three straight 400 plus yard passing games. Uh, that's one of the things that the Alouettes seem to not have been able to. Uh, to curtail anyway and, and, and lessen as the season has gone on so far. Um, I mean, obviously, that does bode well for the Red Blacks, doesn't it? It does. It does because we know that, that Dominique can turn in those types of performances. And so I think that, uh, again, if he can get Sinopoli involved, I know you know Cliff had touched on it earlier. If he can get Sinopoli involved, I think then then the Monarchs defense will have more to contend with than just the two outside guys, you know, and, um, you know, you saw guys, uh, getting involved, um, all over the place for Ottawa. And, and just for some reason, Brad Sinopoli hasn't been that guy. Yet. I think he needs to be that guy. And I, really more than anything, Moses Madu needs to get going, not just in the ground game, but they need to use him like Powell. They need to give him more touches and more receptions uh, because you know Moses Madu can catch the pass, can, can catch the ball, and he's good breaking away. And so if he, if they can do that, if they can get some of those short screen passes going, if they can get Sinopoli in the middle, then I think that is going to soften up the middle of that defense. So that way, a guy like R.J. Harris or or Dominique mm-hmm. Rimes can run those streak routes, and 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 I'm pretty sure Dominique will be able to hit his buddy Dominique. Uh, in stride again for for a couple of long bombs. I think for us, I think Cliff will agree uh, with me on this. Also, is that just like Sinopoli, I think one of the one of the uh, wide receivers that really hasn't been looked at at all, quite a bit this year um, is uh, Eugene Lewis. He's he's sort of been a, a kind of an afterthought, but I think that's that's having Devere Posey and that's having B.J. Cunningham. Um, but Cliff, do you agree with that? Yeah, I think what else two teams realize just how explosive a player 
Eugene Lewis can be. And they, I'm seeing a lot more uh, double coverage on him. So I think they're giving him the respect, knowing that, okay, if you let this, let this guy loose, he's going to break open a player or two. And I think that's what's happening right now because I, I see Vernon out there trying to make his reads and trying to find guys like Eugene Lewis open. And it's just not happening. Sometimes he's has to, he's got to check down a little bit more and we're just waiting for Eugene Lewis to have that breakout game. I imagine it must be the same thing for Ottawa. Like they, they want Brad Sinopoli to be a major part of the offense and it's just not clicking it. So Again, it could be just one of those early season things as everybody's trying to figure each other out. Because uh, let's not forget, these are two quarterbacks that are relatively new to this team this year, so to speak. Uh, I, I think that's really what it comes down to is just trying to make make plays happen, but you can't force anything either because the other team is going to capitalize on that. Um, the last, uh, well, in, in their history so far since the Red Blacks have been been in existence, uh, the Alouettes are four and four all time in Ottawa. Um, Obviously, the crowd is going. I think is going to be one big factor uh, when it comes to the game this week. Now, one thing I want to ask you, Rod, is uh, what do you, what needs to be done? Okay, uh, yeah, what what needs to be done in order for the Red Blacks to win this game this week? Uh, well, I, I touched on a little bit earlier. I think Moses Madu needs to get more than under twenty yards uh, in a single game because that really hurts our chances of doing anything at all. I mean, a lot last season, so much of what we did was, was off the run. You know, William Powell got fed and he got fed often. And Madhu proved in, in the second week that he can actually do that as well. He can carry the load. Um, I don't, it's not obviously a, a William Powell type performance, but you know, he's, he's a good running back that, that can answer the call. And so what we need to do is we need to get him going because if they're not keying off on the pass, and, and expecting a, a Dominique to put the ball up a ton of times, uh, have more opportunity to, to run the offense because you saw it against Winnipeg. We were one-dimensional. We did not have the run game, and that is not the Red Blacks' way. We've been a, a team that's been predicated on the run, and when you take that away, uh, you know the, the receivers aren't there yet. No, one, no one's gelled enough with Dominique Davis yet to make it to where all he can do is put it up uh, you know, 40 times in a game. So um, we need to get that ground game going. And then, again, defensively, uh, we just need to get more pressure on that quarterback. I mean, you, you can't let whoever it is back there, Vernon Davis or Pipkin, get comfortable uh, back there because they'll carve you up and, and they'll do it without mercy. And, and you just got to make sure that you're putting them on their back more than, uh, than they're upright. So it, I think also, too, is that uh, it's possible that they don't want to fall into the trap saying, oh, look, the Alouettes have given up 400, you know, th- uh, three straight games of 400 yards. As you're saying, they need to go both run and, and pass in order to, to have a, a, balanced, uh, a balanced attack versus the Gals this week. Yeah, absolutely. Because, again, there's no, there's no way that you can be successful if you really just abandon the run altogether. Yeah. Uh, I, I've seen that, what, the Tiger Cats do it a couple times <laughs> a few yeah. years ago when Austin just did not want to run the ball. But by and large, you got you have. And now you've seen it with Stanbeck, man. With Stanbeck going up last week, that just made all the difference. Yep. And who knew he uh, he was such a good high hurdler? High hurdler, also. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, uh, Cliff? Any more questions to wrap before we let him go? Uh, basically, uh, I think we covered just about everything. Uh, 
Rod, uh, what's probably the biggest thing that you're looking forward to on Saturday besides hopefully a win? Well, see, you just took my answer. I was look. I'm looking forward to a win. I got on it. No, what I want to see is this this team now. So what you, we have an opportunity to do for the first time in the season. I'm glad. Maybe I'm glad that that we lost to Winnipeg the way we did because now what we have a chance to do is show what we do after adversity. I mean, I know that week one against Calgary, you know, I was super uh, adversity with with the four picks, but uh, now we've lost a game. Now now we now we've found one in the in the loss column how is this team going to respond and come back uh this week and 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 show that it's not going to be the two week two week wins and then a flash in the pan after that so i'm looking forward to seeing how these guys come out come out after the bye really really flat so I'm, i'm looking to see if they can come back after this loss with a little more fire than they did coming into into this week against winnipeg it's yeah the the history between these two teams has always been great no matter where they've played i know um, but just looking at the past scores, the last you know, last year, um, they it was a split between them at at uh, at TD Place. Uh, uh, the Owls won the last one, twenty one eleven. I remember that was probably one of the best defensive games of the year so far for them at that time. And then the uh, seven point loss uh, earlier in the year. Um, uh, if anybody wants to uh, follow you guys uh, for the podcast, where would they find you? They can find the show on Twitter at WoodCookieCast. They can also follow it on Instagram. I don't know why, because I hardly ever use Instagram, but it's there. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, those are the two places, or at least Twitter is the one place that I'm at most. So follow it at WoodCookieCast. And if you want to follow me, for whatever reason, you can follow me at RJ Via Gomez. Nice. All right, man. It was a greatly appreciated to have you. Hey, first time on the pod, uh, at least as far as the Alouettes pod, it was greatly, uh, it was fun to talk with you. And, uh, uh, I think it's Cliff usually says, you know, uh, at the moment we're friends, but uh, it'll just be three hours that uh, we really hate each other. But then after the fact, we can just go for a beer. Exactly. <laughs> As I say, business is business for those three hours. But yeah, afterwards, friends back on. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I buy into that one as well. Perfect. Uh, greatly appreciate you, man. And uh, all the best to us on uh, Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Interesting to have another uh, to hear another aspect, but it was you know, obviously it's great to have one of the members of the uh, CFL Pod Network come on. It was the first time to speaking with Rod uh, and the uh, about the Red Blacks, and uh, um, you know, as I said to him at the very end, end of the thing, um, yeah, good luck to us on Saturday. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, uh, I'm always happy to sit and talk with uh, one of the uh, Canadian Football Podcast Network members. Uh, we, you know. We definitely want to see this thing grow. We want to get all the teams involved and try and get everybody on as much as possible. And uh, once again, thanks so much, Rod, for coming and joining us, giving us that perspective from the Red Blacks point of view. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just as far as I'm concerned, it's going to make for a much more interesting game on Saturday. And now, if I'm not, are you, I haven't asked you yet, so I didn't want to wait to the end of the show. Are you going? I, because if I'm not mistaken, this is the fan bus trip game. It is. I'm not going to be on the fan bus, but I am definitely going to Ottawa to see the game. I would. I wanted to. I, I was. I really wanted to go, but um, plans that were already made are kind of kind of uh, uh, plans that I wanted to do are are already uh, scheduled. So uh, I will uh, hopefully be back to watch the game. So um, we want to finish up. Uh, there are no lines uh, so far as of taping this game that uh, we usually go by to find out what it is that the Alouettes are going to be, or what the lineup for the game is going to be. So we, we weren't able to find anything at all. Um, so we don't know what 
what this game's going to be be listed at. But um, other than what we mentioned with Rod, is there any other other points that you wanted to make about the, the game on Saturday? Well, as I said, I'm curious to see just how Montreal is going to incorporate Stanback even more into the offense, if that's even possible, or if. Uh, uh, again, Montreal does have a tendency to shy away from the run, and now that they've seen just how good it can be, as they've seen it, like it's it's kind of a double-edged sword as far as I'm concerned, because you know what a talent you have in William Standback. You know this kid can run, and he was a boss. Now, Ottawa obviously has to be paying attention to that. You know Noel Thorpe knows his team, and you know he's keying in on Standback. So it, I, I would not be surprised to see the Red Blacks try to concentrate as much as possible and trying to stop the run, mm-hmm. in which case that's going to open up the air for uh, for Vernon Adams. And if he can get just a little bit more of a, a connection with his receivers and just get, you know, op- open things up a little bit more, like really open up the airspace, if you will, and just find guys to feel, especially now we know that Devere Posey will be back in the lineup. Uh, as we said with uh, Rod, uh, Eugene Lewis has been a bit of a ghost lately. It, I don't know if it's just because teams are respecting him a little bit more, but if Posey's in the lineup, Cunningham's in the lineup, and Eugene Lewis, and you're you're finding these guys open, big plays are going to happen, oh, yeah. and well, everybody's going to be concentrating on standback. And if that's the case, then Vernon's just going to—he's got to get moving out of the pocket. He's got to—he's got to launch the ball downfield, and he's just got to find ways to torch this Ottawa secondary. Yeah. And it's probably easier said than done, but I mean, these are the things that you're going to have to do to win games, especially to going into a hostile environment like TD Place. Uh, Montreal's had great success at TD Place, and they've also had their lunch eaten for them at TD Place. So what I want to see, again, the defense really has to tighten things up as far as passing yards go, because Dominique Davis will light things up. Uh, As we said, Brad Sinopoli, he's been kind of on uh, on the downswing a little bit. Maybe it's just going to take a game against Montreal to really uh, get the juices flowing. And he, he always seems to be able to rise to the occasion when it comes to the Alouettes. So uh, that's one name that I, I'm still going to have to say you've got to keep an eye out for. Uh-huh. Uh, guys like RJ Harris and Dominique Rimes, too. Like These are guys that you give them the opportunity, they will make plays happen. So I don't, with guys like Chris Ackie and Taylor Loeffler back in the lineup, uh, Greg Reed's got to go out there and he's he's got to put the hurt on somebody. I mean, this defense really has to come together. They cannot, uh, I'll go so far as to say they cannot afford to drop another 400 plus passing yards in their uh, against column. They've, they've got to find a way to tighten things up no matter what. They've got to get the pressure on Dominique Davis and make him work for everything. Yeah. And I, I, I think this is a winnable, a much more winnable game now that Winnipeg has sort of exposed what the, the Red Blacks are. Like, they've kind of taken some of the mystery away from them because the first two games that the Red Blacks played, they really shocked everybody. It's just people are expecting them to be bad. And you know what? This is not a bad team, but they're a very beatable team. And I think if Montreal can just focus on those points that I just mentioned and just tune out all the noise because you know it's going to get loud at TV Place. Like that's, that's a great football stadium when it comes to people getting amped up, people getting excited. And if Montreal can just find a way to just tune out the noise and just focus on what they do and what they do well, this, this could very well be the start of a winning streak. Yeah, it would be nice. Uh, I agree with you on a lot of that. I said uh, I don't think that they need they. Uh, and again, I, I don't know. I don't want it to occur again. But yeah, the Owls cannot afford another 400, 400 yard passing game. Uh, but as you said, also Sinopoli always some. What do you, I don't know why? 
he always seems to do well versus the Alouettes. So, um, but yeah, we can only wait. We can only wait and find out, right? <laughs> well, and and that's it. I, it's I, again, I'm I, I'm curious to see what the lines end up being on this game because I think it'll be. I guarantee it won't be too. Uh, uh, it won't be double digits. I can tell you that right now. I I think. Uh, I think this game this this past Thursday opened a lot of eyes league wide. As I said, now everybody knows who the hell William Standback is, and I think even too like a lot of people are looking at this Montreal West team just a little bit differently. Like I don't think the people, anyone who's expecting this team to still be a, a dumpster fire and all that, and maybe off the field, you know, there maybe there may be little you can do to erase that that mindset from people, but. Uh-huh. When you take a look at the game that was played this past Thursday, it wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but my God, this team played with purpose. This team played with direction. Like they, they got it together. And I, I tell you what, like if they can just play like that more often, I can't guarantee they'd win every single time, but man, it's, you, you, you're, you're going to get that hope. You're going to get that feeling that, Hey, this team, to, this team can do this. They can win games. They can make some noise in this division. And that's all you really want as a fan. You want your team to at least show up and be competitive, if nothing else. Yeah, exactly. And this Montreal Alouettes team can't do that. I definitely have absolute faith that this team can show up on game day and not completely poop the bed. Yeah. Like that. And I, I tell you what, like this Saturday in Ottawa, I'm definitely expecting this to be a, a very spirited contest. I, I think Montreal is going to come in. I, I don't think they're going to have any swagger to tell you the truth, but they've got to be feeling good. They beat one of the better teams in the league last Thursday. If they can do the, just something similar to that against Ottawa, as I said, there's a very good chance that we could be going on a winning streak. And Montreal last year went into TD place and didn't play the greatest game, but they did just enough to win. And I think if they just take care of things the way that we know that they can do, I really think we're going to see a very entertaining, a really good football game on Saturday. Yeah, and I'm hoping that's so all too. I can ask for. Yeah, I'm hoping so, too. Hey, hey, people just remember, the last time they went into, uh, into TD Place, they held, uh, held the Red Blacks at just 11 points. So, uh, hey, anything is possible. So, um, again, just think a couple of things that, that they can improve. And uh, it would be nice to go on, on a winning streak again. So, uh, just to show everybody that the Alouettes are not are not the same team that has been on the field for the past couple of years. So, uh, but Cliff, I hope you enjoy the game, man. I really wish I were, I really wish I were coming, but uh, uh, enjoy the game. And uh, obviously, we'll be back here next week to talk about what happened on the field and off. So, for, yeah, go ahead. I know you want to say something. <laughs> well, I was just going to I was just going to remind everybody that uh, you can find us all on social media. Uh, Check out uh, on Twitter, Alouettes FL Deck. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Alouettes Flight Deck. Mm-hmm. And all of our uh, all of our episodes are archived over at www.alouettesflightdeck.ca. Mm-hmm. Or you can listen to the Alouettes Flight Deck by searching the keywords Alouettes Flight Deck on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and Spotify. Thank you very much, sir. Yes, I had forgotten that. I had forgotten. <laughs> Good man. Tag team. I'm Tag me in. Tag me in. Okay. There you go. All right. All right. So we'll talk to you guys next week. So everybody here at the Flight Deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on Final Approach.
Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.